0: This is show 115 of the Cloth Diaper Podcast. Today's episode is with Teresa from the brand Luna Paca, and we're going to be talking about alpaca cloth diapers. Welcome back to the Cloth Diaper Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories, conversations about cloth diapering from around the world. And today's episode is with Teresa from Luna Paca. This is a long overdue conversation. Teresa is phenomenal, like I can't even begin to describe her. Uh, She just has so much incredible knowledge about diapering and textiles and she brings that all together to create Lunapaca. If you haven't heard, Lunapaca is one of the most recent innovations leveling up of the cloth diaper industry and Teresa will explain all of that on today's show with today's conversation. You can find the show notes for today's episode at clothlaborpodcast.com. You can sign up for our newsletter and access so many more great resources. If you don't know, I've also written a book, Cloth Diapers, the Introduction to Textiles, Washing, and More. And while we don't talk about alpaca diapers in that book, it is a great resource for all those other times. You can buy it on Amazon, at your favorite book retailer, and at nestandsprout.ca. You can also buy Lunapaca diapers at nestandsprout.ca if you're Canadian, or if you're in the United States, shop directly with Teresa at Lunapaca. Now, let's get to the show and learn
1: all about this phenomenal brand. Oh my gosh. So my first cloth diaper was actually the first diaper I ever changed. And it was for my baby sister. She, I was, I'm nine years older than her. And it was a pre-fold with a PUL cover and like Velcro. And I had no fear. Cause I was like nine. I had no fear of these giant diaper pins, like stabbing it in there on this newborn baby, <laughs> my little sister. But it's so memorable because I was so afraid that I had broken her because her umbilical cord stump fell off while I was changing the diaper. Uh, I was like, why so, do you have this core memory? Okay,
2: that's why you have very, this core very core
1: memory of like, I broke the baby.
2: <laughs> but, uh, so you're definitely like, and diapering a newborn, newborn, like to have an umbilical stump. So your mom cloth diapered all four of you or
1: just your sister? I don't. She doesn't remember, which is funny. There were four of us. I asked her because now me and my other sister, a different sister, were doing this company together. Um, so I said, and I, and actually I have a picture. My dad sent a picture of my sister, who's my business partner in a prefold with diaper pins running around like a construction zone in our house. So definitely use cloth for her too. So uh, I think my brother and I had disposables. I don't know. They were like, they're just of kind the of baby. on
2: the radar. And when you had a baby, what, two years ago?
1: No, uh, my oldest is uh, your youngest age. So my oldest is five. Oh just yes, okay. Five. Yeah, and we started. I'd say we started our cloth journey as parents with the wipes because our son has so much trouble with this sensitive skin and rashes that um, our pediatrician recommended switching to just washcloths. Mm-hmm. Stop using disposable wipes. Just. Cotton and water. Um, and that really helped. And when we had our second, who's now turning three, um, my husband was so fed up with the garbage that he just was like, I read it on Reddit that you can just cloth diaper and it's really easy now. And so he like bought some pocket diapers on Amazon and he's like, we're doing this. <laughs> so it was really sort of, uh, yeah, not the traditional path, I guess. So, no, uh, like-
2: I mean, way to go for your husband and Reddit. And bring home pocket diapers. and here you are now with a business.
1: Yeah, so that so that started us off on part on pockets, and um, great in the beginning. But then at some point, you know he got we were sending them to daycare too. so go go daycare. they were they were awesome. Um, but then they started getting leaks and as he got bigger and it was just uh, and the microfiber started to smell, that's when I went down the rabbit hole.
2: And at the bottom of the rabbit hole, somehow you discovered alpaca wool. Alpaca,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me what
2: you've done. Luna Paca just launched early 2021. And you're innovative in the industry because this is the first time that we've seen a new textile enter the market. Somehow you came to a conclusion of creating an alpaca wool. What, how does that go? Where, what do you want to tell consumers about it?
1: Yeah. So uh, I'll start by saying that we started with this. I really wanted to simplify the laundry stuff. At the time I was a volunteer with a Clap option. And so I was processing donations, um, really struggling with some wash routines and and, um, and getting some of these donations clean and um, also just like really excited about wool I had discovered wool and I couldn't convince anyone to do wool because of the (laughs) lanolin and the emulsifying and I'm like it's really not that hard but I think the cognitive burden was just a lot I mean cloth diapering already so I felt like wool was reserved for like the pro cloth diapering parents and I'm like that's not how it should be because wool is amazing like I'm just like I am
2: I'm chatting with an Estonian mom this morning and because she wanted a copy of my book and I just sent her a PDF and I was like, ignore the wool section. I've learned so much about wool in the last three years. And she's like, yeah, I use wool exclusively because um, I'm such a lazy parent. And I was like, oh, maybe that's what I should title my section next time when I republish it. The lazy parent diapering. And she's like, that's what we say in Estonia. Everybody, lazy parents in Estonia, we all wool diaper. It's just, it's lazy. Um, but that's so not the pain. cognitive story we share in north america we get stressed uh, out about wool
1: for so um, many
2: reasons so you're trying to simplify wool, really yeah i thought I felt
1: it was unfair that you had to like unlock this like you know leveling up your parent type or parenting <laughs> journey before you got to unlock the pad like the magic of wool and that's not fair no it's uh, not <laughs> and so I, but i had like no luck convincing anyone to try this like lanolin business and so i was like there's gotta be other things that are as amazing as wool. And so I was like, well, what makes wool work? And that's where I started. And I, we tested a bunch of different fibers. Um,
2: And your background, your sister is a, she's got a master's in fiber arts.
1: Is that my understanding? No, she has a degree in theater production. And so she was doing uh, shows, making props. So she can make anything. If you imagine it, she'll build it. She's incredible. Um, Like, I just can't even believe all the stuff she's just thought up or someone had an idea and she just made it. She's like, she's a creative mind. Yeah. She'll just find and a way. You're,
2: you were a teacher before?
1: No, I was in education. So I worked mostly for international in international education. Oh, yeah. Okay. Ed.
2: So not your background.
1: You're just
2: all. going into textiles being like, what makes wool magic?
1: Yeah. And I think that the other piece was the education piece. So like when I would be on the road talking about different, you know, education in the United States or kind of, you know, marketing us-based education, it was always like, there's an option for you. And so that's where I feel like for me, there's a real similarity with cloth. Like there are lots of options. There's not one size fits all. There's not like one best university. And so for me, it was a real simple switch to just talking about all the different options and like helping Helping families decide what's the, we used to say in the college admissions world, what's the right fit for your child? And it's so funny to me now, like people are talking about the right fit for their babies and I'm like, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> You're going to be asking this question a long time.
2: For everything. I mean, for, everything. for feeding your child, figuring out which activity they're going to put in as a six-year-old, yeah. what school, because, yeah. It's well, just all It's All those
1: questions. And so they we hone like your ability to... Do the research, find your options, but then really understand what's right for you. And just because it's right for the family down the street doesn't mean it's right for you. Mm-hmm.
2: So you've had to do a lot of research because the unique thing, my understanding about Luna Lunapaca is that we weren't using alpaca wool like this, even... No, how did that research and development process kind of unravel (laughs)
1: for you like textile artists flat out. Tell me it wouldn't work. Um, I had cloth diapering experts tell in wool, tell me it wouldn't work because alpaca doesn't have the scales to hold the lanolin. So there's no way you're going to get and the lanolin is the magic. So if you can't have lanolin holding onto the fiber, how how are you going to make it work? Um, but at the time, this is two summers ago, there was an interesting study that had sh- that the, was sponsored by the alpaca fiber community here in the United States, and I think in North America, showing that alpaca was, they were trying to push alpaca into the performance textile world, just like Merino has done since I think about 2016, really Merino has taken off. And they were like, this is, you know, alpaca is, has the same antibacterial antimicrobial properties But, you know, we don't need the lanolin. And so for me, that was kind of the key piece. I knew it was hydrophobic. I didn't know how it would do with urine. So I had a woman who, uh, she runs a mini mill in um, Turlock. And uh, so I visited her, met her alpacas. And she had some extra alpaca rovings that she hand spun, hand wove for me into a little like grid. And then I dumped like urine on it. (laughs) That was my first clay. The problem was, Bailey, you can't get 100% alpaca very easily, yarn or anything. There's usually some kind of plastic synthetic blended in there and it has to do with how it's spun and and, uh, the milling process. So it's usually blended with something. um, And that plastic will hold on to smell. As you know, with my, I knew with microfiber and all this other stuff that anything with plastic in it wouldn't be a fair test. So I really had to kind of go to the source to find something I could trust before. I could.
2: I'm i trying to imagine you just like, like how do you stumble upon an alpaca study?
1: Oh, because so I went to grad school and I love research and I, my favorite books are like non Profit or non-profit, non uh, non-fiction books, right? Like I love just learning, and I think that when you're a curious person, like the world is fascinating, mm-hmm. and so I just I just have never
2: found myself in the world of alpaca farming. So
1: <laughs> well, I would be like breastfeeding and like on my phone, and I would just be like researching and reading. And you have a lot. I mean, it's funny as a as a mom, you're really busy, but then there are these like downtimes where you're like trapped. Mm-hmm you have a phone, you have like access to the world. So I kind of
2: miss that because now my kids are really busy and I don't necessarily always have the same downtime to spend six hours. I don't know how, but in a, in a spiral. So you find alpaca and you work pretty hands-on. It sounds like with a lot of farmers and weavers to really kind of create a textile is so you've put out a utility patent on this because this is the first time that you're introducing, right? How did you explain that to me the other day?
1: So uh, alpaca yarn has been used and I've seen knitted alpaca, like pull-ups and stuff out on the market up until recently, when I started, when I launched, everyone had said, you need to add lanolin to it. And I knew it was like, all right, you're selling this with lanolin. You're, you're saying it's just as good as wool. It's similar to wool, but you know, more expensive. (laughs) And so I, I knew there'd be a switch once I kind of came to market. And so we did not, um, we left the knit stuff alone, but a lot of the research that we were doing was how to get the best performance out of this fiber for a diaper. And with knits, as you know, with wool, you know, the, the knitted wools, they they're great, but when you felt them, that's when you really get that kind of bulletproof effect and why is because that fiber is actually coming together for more solid barriers. So water or pee will like push through anything that's porous. And so the less porous you can make it, the more of a chance that that cover has, has to do its job. So we really focused on woven fiber. Our fiber, our, our material is a very, very finely woven alpaca. I mean, the yarn we use is like thread. It's so, so small um, and thin and, and just, and it's super fine, premium baby alpaca. It is the most luxurious of like the alpaca is in a li- luxurious fiber, but we chose the softest, most premium fiber on the market because we really wanted to, for that additional cost, extra cost, we just wanted to provide this complete luxurious experience and the softness really made a difference for us.
2: And An interesting thing I think I've picked up on is that alpaca wool is really kind of hard to process. And so this entire journey has been so much trial and error and trying to find safe ways to process fiber and where to do it and how to do it. And so intricate. Um, What does that felt like as an entrepreneur going through that learning experience and one day not knowing anything about alpacas and now being a... (laughs) expert pseudo expert on your way there it was fat,
1: like, <laughs> revolutionizing alpaca wool. this is like, a real um, strange moment when i was with an alpaca farmer and she didn't know that alpaca was hydrophobic and she said what do you mean and i took my water bottle and just like dumped it on something she had like woven beautifully and i was like see and i had of course like a cotton flat in my purse because i'm a mom like of course i have a cotton flat in my purse and i just like dabbed it up really fast and it was completely dry and and she was shocked She just had no idea. So I think that there, for me, what was so exciting is that not only was this an amazing textile, but there was just not a lot known about how incredible it was, even by the people who, you know, were around it and surrounded by it all the time.
2: Do you have any like speculations on why that is? What, why it's 2022 and we're kind of finally coming to terms with the hydrophobicness and we don't need
1: lanolin on alpaca. Um... I I don't know. I think it's just, it's a smaller industry compared to sheep's wool, right? And so I think um, the largest source of alpaca would be, you know, Peru. uh, And we, but actually the second largest like herd of like alpacas is actually in North America. Um, So I think it's like an, in some ways, like an up and coming industry, you're seeing more alpaca in some of these larger brands. Like I see more alpaca sweaters on the market from like Everlane and like Madewell, some of these bigger brands. And they're looking to alpaca because it is a very sustainable fiber as well. So alpaca, I don't remember if I mentioned this before, but a couple of things about alpaca. One is the way they graze. So if you want to like just decimate like, a, you know, like weeds or something, bring in a bunch of goats. So like cashmere, like th- those goats will just like destroy. Same with sheep. They pull up the root system and they really can just like, you know, do a number on uh, <laughs> on plant. Yeah. They use sheep here with the local electricity
2: company for <laughs> certain areas to just clear area, fire yeah.
1: zones and stuff. They're great for clearing the land, but if you want to work in harmony with the land and you don't want to destroy those root systems, which is actually important in keeping the integrity of the soil, uh, alpacas are gentle grazers. So they just snip at the top of the plant. They don't pull it up by the root system. And then the second thing, which is super magical is that their poop has more nitrogen in it compared to other animal poop. So, uh, some, one of the farmers I was working with, she called it, uh, she's like, it's our alpaca gold. She's like, forget the fiber. Like we can sell the poop because it adds so much more nutrients to the soil. So farmers buy it. Uh, whereas spinning the, the fiber is a lot more challenging and things like that. Okay. She actually got said, like this farmer got a grant from the green deal or something where she got a grant from the government to, uh, cut, and trim her trees and then mix it with alpaca poop because it's so nutrient rich to create this great, uh, manure. And so, yeah, some really interesting,
2: I'm on, um, I've got pulled up beside me and looking at the alpacas, um, fiber shed.org. Yes. And that's probably some of the resources that you've used. Uh, they've got all the, they were talking about the green gold there. Yeah. And pictures of alpacas, which is just really fun
1: to look at while I'm listening talk. Uh... Yeah. Fiber Shed, it's, it's a movement that started here in Northern California with uh, Rebecca Burgess. Like, that has really inspired and influenced me. And I think would be kind of one of the drivers behind why I just chose to do this.
2: Yeah. Okay. So you've got your cover. You've designed a pretty simple, straightforward. It's a three-size system with alpaca wool. Where your where do you make it? Tell me a little bit more. There's a few other really cool features besides just the textiles. When it comes down to this, because you went all in on this, you know, you you had some values you outlined, and it's how did that play out in what you've designed?
1: So my sister who can I said earlier can make anything. Um, she really wanted some clear design criteria, right? Like what are the limits? Because if she can make anything, you need to put in some like limits on what we're what <laughs> our goals are. Cause you will always have conflicting goal. If you have conflicting goals, you you you're not gonna be able to make it to design anything. So you need to make it really clear what is the priority. So we put a really ambitious goal for ourselves on making it plastic-free. We had this vision that we could do it, and we really, yeah, we doubled down on that. Um, and it's not because we're like anti—I mean, we ourselves use plastic. We're not like some kind of plastic-free angels. But we just felt that it's so hard as consumers to make the plastic-free choice because companies. There's just so many reasons for companies to use plastic. So we felt that that burden should be on us, not on the consumer. And so whether you're choosing our covers because they're plastic free or not, we don't really care. We care that we are not introducing new plastic into the into the ecosystem, as well as even the recycled plastics. The more I learned about recycled plastics, plastics degrade over time. The most you're going to get the most durable plastics on the planet is 10 use, 10 cycles. And, that's, okay. and, that, and most plastics are not that durable. Most plastics, like over 90% of it, are never recycled even once. All the plastics ever made still exist they don't degrade they don't break down they just leave i know and i think
2: if our user if my listeners have been around for a while now our own show 50 we chatted with Wee king diapers from estonia and she also really wanted to go plastic but her biggest hurdle or she wanted to go plastic free the biggest hurdle was snaps yes. and so at the end of the day can't do it plastic snaps we're just you can't do it she tried her best with everything else Um oh, yep. plastic snaps that was
1: our biggest hurdle you guys though.
2: figured that out yeah. because that has been the hardest struggle in the industry a lot of times why people will go to a tie yeah some brands who try to go plastic free will just go like put ribbons and you do a tie system and then there's but then there's also concerns with baby safety there
1: and I will throw it out there that you can do soakers. Like you can do pull-ups through like a nail or crochet. And so that mm-hmm. is the plastic-free alternative okay. to us, right? But we, As I hold a mascara and plastic in my hands, <laughs> I just... It's everywhere. Um, and I think also from the fiber shed stuff, I learned so much about the microplastics that with each wash, every time we're washing our clothes, like my spandex is just leaching microplastics into the waterways and those are being by fish. We're eating the fish. So we're like, it's in our bodies. Like it was just it's a nightmare and it's something that we- it's not a nice rabbit hole. It's an important one, but it's terrifying. Yeah. So, so we, so for the snaps, um, that was, that was almost a deal breaker for us. We like couldn't source it. Uh, we could source, you know, metal snaps. The problem is they will not, no one will guarantee that it's lead free or will meet the compliance safeties for, for children. Um, And the reason for that is not to do necessarily with the metal themselves, but how they are again manufactured. So if that metal comes in contact, there's contact exposure in the processing of these metals to lead, and that lead will get on the snaps. They will not pass um, the the testing that you must have to be compliant. So you have to find a supplier that has 100% like control over every step of their process.
2: Uh, <laughs> which chatting with
1: Clutter for Brands who are in traditional manufacturing is challenging. Very challenging. So that pretty much uh, <laughs> limited our option. We, I think we talked to like 100 different suppliers. Like we really did some research. We found an amazing supplier based in the United States. Their factory is solar powered. And the owner was just, just a complete dream to work with. Um, unfortunately, he passed away actually, and which is... of the delays of our manufacturing was because the snaps got lost and i mean it was really tragic he was really a wonderful person um and and he gave me some wonderful education on brass so we chose an antique brass and he was informing me about how just sustainable brass is like brass unlike plastic does not degrade over time you can recycle it infinitely and i said okay you know what and
2: like you you mentioned this to me the other day and i was trying to think about like when was the last time
1: i had. I don't know if I've ever run into brass like do we use brass do have I ever so brass is actually kind of like this really incredible metal and I said to him well all right at some point people are going to want to send these snaps back to us like can I give them back to you to like melt them back down again? Like, how can we be like a closed loop like system here? And he laughed and he said, please don't mail them back to me. You're on the other side of the country. What would the carbon impact? And he was like, so sustainably minded. And he said, have them wherever they are, take them to the, there's a local scrap metal yard somewhere near them, take it there, they'll pay you money for them because that those snaps have use, that metal will always have use, it'll always be valuable that blew my mind. And so, um, yeah, so we wonderful partner there. Um, and, and you know, his business partner has taken over for him. is also just equally, equally wonderful in uh, picking up the pieces in the middle of this like tragedy. So,
2: so you had these custom made brass snaps done for this Lunapaca Alpaca. And you guys, I have one that's come in the mail. And by now, by the time the show releases, I'll have filmed a YouTube video and we can see, I mean, there's also Teresa has tons of content. <laughs> you can go see, but I'll have also shown you so that you can verify that she's not crazy because I am sometimes skeptical of the videos she shows me. It's just so hard to believe this hydrophobic nature. The fact that you've even used a brass snap, like I know it is, but this is like such feels like an antiquated metal that you've put on a
1: diaper. And I can speak out just for a few minutes more. The other challenges, which were things you don't think about. So when people say yeah. it's 100% anything, I could claim 100%, you know, alpaca, blah, blah, blah. But usually it's exclusive of trim. And trim includes things like snaps. It also includes things like elastics. So our elastics are natural rubber. They're encased in organic cotton. They're gentler than most, uh, like, traditional elastics. And they're more durable, so they're going to last longer. But the, oh, way, yeah. the way my sister- my husband and I were <laughs> arguing at the table
2: the other day about, I was telling him about this diaper and he's, he's a text, he's slightly a textile nerd too. And then I was telling him about the rubber elastics and he was like, well, aren't those just going to fall apart right away? And I was like, I don't mm-hmm. think so, but I'll ask Teresa when I see her. More
1: durable. Um, you and think they're more durable? More durable and your viewers will not see this, but the way she designed this, my sister's so smart. She was like, again, I, I, it's a little fluffier so we could have made this look a lot trimmer by like sewing them down it would have been easier for us in terms of manufacturing as well but we she really stuck to her guns and she said look the thing that's going to go first that alpaca can be i mean if you treat it well it will last for generations the thing that's going to give is that, that elastic no elastic is going to live forever so she designed this in such a way to make it really easy to replace those elastics and people don't have sewing machines or don't have the skills like send it back to us we'll do it she's like i'll do it i'll just do all of them for you <laughs> so, well that's what i was telling him and then he was
2: like let's well, just confirms my point that they break down quicker and i was like i don't think so not, But not
1: faster but they that is the like the weak point right like that's what we'll give um okay and so she designed it in that way the other thing that's a weak point that i'll point out we, we actually chose this is where those design choices really came into play. We chose a cotton thread. Cotton thread is not durable, not compared to basically nylon polyester threads. So, you know, we had a lot of like, you know, okay, do we go for durability here? Like how is how, and she said, you know what, this is a simple, this is simple stitching. We can, you can repair it with your hand. Like again, send it back to us. We'll repair the stitching. Um, But if you use cotton thread, well then, what are you going to do about the labels? Cuz the labels are usually some kind of polyester as well. There's some kind of synthetic material. And like our goal was like take off the snaps, throw the rest in the ground. Like if you can't do that, then we have failed our like our test of like it being truly plastic free. So these <laughs> these labels are also organic cotton, but here's the catch. They're usually printed with some acrylic based ink, which is plastics
2: it's funny because you have these values you're sticking to and it feels like you just keep hitting all these little it seems easy like yeah let's go plastic free let's go synthetic free but
1: no yeah so it was like the thread (laughs) the ink so the ink is a plant-based ink it's like everything again you take out those snaps everything else will compost in your compost and like and we really like stuck to our guns on that and the other thing too is like in our packaging um you know, alpaca will attract moths, just like wool will. And so usually you want to ship that in plastic to prevent like any kind of critters and stuff. And I was like, there's got to be another way. I don't want to like do this all this work just to stick it in plastic. So um, we send them all with these little uh, cotton satchels that are filled with organic lavender. So again, you can have that nice fragrance when you open the packaging but it has a dual purpose of really keeping that protecting that that alpaca and you can continue to use that that lavender just to store with your alpaca when it's not in use So we really just were trying to think about and all of our packaging too like our um hang tags everything is from recycled paper and we we use like a super green printer and like just an incredible amount of thoughtfulness in terms of like the companies we've partnered with for our packaging like um research um, on what they they not everything is even curbside recyclable right like some people just don't have curbside recycling available I just like I have a hard
2: like I'm I can dream big pictures but putting all these little steps in place is just amazing to watch because it's not my skill set at all (laughs) so what an incredible strength to have to like It was one fine tune every detail in this product. And I think like people who are, if your brands who are listening, one thing I've really picked up that I think would be great to see kind of uh, replicated in the industry is this easy replaceable elastic. Yes. Um, The synthetic elastics in our PUL and our fitteds. How can we as an industry, maybe think about that better in our design so that consumers can have an easier, better experience with replacing that
1: elastic. Because they are. They are replacing them. Um, I threw away so many donations because the elastics were just shot and not replaceable. That PUL was still good. Yeah, the elastics are just... They're just popping,
2: they're just going. And so it's like, and you, okay, well, like you know, microphone. fitted makers could embrace that too, you know, finding ways to make it so that they could easily replace it. Pocket makers, we can all be doing, and pocket design, there are ways to do it, but people aren't doing it. Um, thinking about the long term sustainability of our industry. You know, can apply we can apply that to multiple textiles
1: and even just the idea of like you know fabrics have come and like textiles have come such a long way, but a lot of this innovation has come with blending fabrics and blending these you know like with synthetics. Mm-hmm. When you take a natural fiber and you blend it with synthetic, you can no longer recycle it, neither direction. Mm-hmm. It would in some ways be better to have hundred percent synthetic materials and hundred percent natural materials and layer them or whatever, but don't blend them at the source because in the, at the thread level because you can't undo it and easily recycle them. So again, I had these garbage bags filled with donations that I couldn't take to textiles donation places because they were blends, they, they were not, if it was all cotton, I could dump it off, no problem. The rest went right to the dump. And I think just when you see it at that scale, it was just, uh,
2: yeah something yeah like that. oh i just like i um bamboo because bamboo has rayon when we and we were blending bamboo with everything right now and and then it's okay so yes and i mean we've seen the rise of tensile and we're seeing the rise of lyocell and we're seeing some different products going there but it's it really drives back like okay so
1: the cotton hemp blend maybe because at least that can compost right totally um, yeah, hems great. And, um, we're looking into it ourselves actually. And, uh, I'll also say with bamboo, my sister pointed out, I didn't know this and I, I don't hear about it in the cloth diaper industry, but she said, oh, bamboo rayon." She's like, there's a rayon sensitivity. Cause she works so much with uh, wardrobe and, and, um, performers. And she said, people are, have sensitivity to rayon for sure.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there's like, this falls under, this is like weird niche things that are hard to describe in the industry is a lot of times when people are having rashes, we immediately go to- Wash. It's a wash routine problem or it's yeast or it's something. A lot of times it's textile. Textile. It's a textile sensitivity. A lot of times people will go to then 100% cotton diapers and it will be game over. And having that conversation about the textile sensitivity is just I don't. It's been hard to have when you think it's hard to have the, the rash, rash time when they switch to cotton. When there's all these other things that they want to blame instead,
1: yeah. Um, but it's there. It's there. And I sorry, just to clarify, you say the people when they switch to cotton, game over, meaning the rash is gone, or yes, game okay. over for the rash. I'm like, yes, I've <laughs> had a, I've had
2: a few guests. I've had one guest on the show for sure. She was using. She was using something and then she went to smart bottoms, which is organic yeah, cotton, cotton diapers and the rash disappeared. And
1: so, um, cotton is not yes. a perfect textile. There's a lot of issues with it, but I will say, friend, it comes to baby skin. It is time tested. Um, it, like we, we had tubs and tubs of desitin in our home because of our first child. And we were using those with the pocket diapers. I know you're not supposed to, so we had like these liners and it was just like a, a big mess. And then we just like got rid of all that switched to cotton I swear to you, he never had a rash again. I I couldn't believe it. And it was two things. It wasn't just the, so cotton not having the irritation. Yes. Also the, the wetness thing. I used to think my son had a wetness sensitivity, but when it's so such a breathable fabric and you pair it with a cover that's equally breathable, it doesn't stay Wet on the skin, and I, I looked at this. I, I did a funny experiment with a disposable, and I, I poured water, in it and then I like I felt it. Have you ever done this?
2: No, I don't know why I haven't though, because I'm like, why haven't I done this?
1: Um, it's <laughs> do it. it's really have <laughs> and I'm like, ew! This is what my son sits in. Like, this is disgusting. And so it was, of course, water. It was water. But it just wasn't the same. And if you and if you do that same experiment with cotton, and you get it same amount of water on it, and you touch it, it doesn't feel icky. Mm-hmm.
2: And I so I did. I just recorded a show that will come out around this time, guys, with Laura. We were talking. She's a ADHD and autism, and we talked a lot about textile sensitivity in that <sighs> conversation. Um, and so, as a old parent who my kid's now six and just got diagnosed with ADHD, and I think about my diapering days. He was a fussy kid mm. He was fussy in disposables. He was fussy in cloth. He was fussy anytime he peed and thinking about what clothes he chooses to wear now. And then what my diapers were, I used. and then even like thinking about which diapers, you know, really worked for him. I, I tended to go to cotton. We used a lot of wool because the experience was yes, sir. probably, I probably didn't put the pieces together, you know, back then, but looking back at it, okay, well, you know what these were diapers that made our day to day feel more enjoyable I and mean, because he was crying less you know these subtle shifts in textiles uh that are i don't know why it's a weird conversation to have with parents like it shouldn't be we shouldn't like you know your child's
1: crying maybe you should try a natural fiber diaper like <gasps> well I'll tell one story that's just funny one of my early early testers was just like a friend of mine she was not into cloth diapering she was like I'm a busy mom I don't have time for this she's like on our second kid and like just do me a favor. Let me, let me see how this fits on your child. Cause like, I, I just needed different size babies. And during the pandemic, it's really hard to access like baby.
2: <laughs> it's really hard to access babies. I know. Even like every now and then I'm like, can I, would you let me Are
1: your baby? So, so she started using it. Um, and her daughter, like her toddler wouldn't take it off. So she was like, I have to tell you this, I'm using your alpaca cover over our disposables. And I was like, but why? And she's like, because my daughter insists it's I want to wear my soft diaper. It's soft and it probably muffles the noise. And and it catches extra things at night. And I was just like, oh, that's so cute. And then she went to go, my same friend went to go visit her friend who just had a baby on the East Coast. She went to go help her out and it's like a new mom. And she said, oh, and that friend was using cloth diapers. And I felt like I knew a little bit about cloth diapering. And so she was using a different brand of uh, like, you know, it was like uh, all in ones or something, but she said the material, she goes, now I understand. I was like touching it all day. These like these diapers and I was, I didn't want to tell her, but I was like, ew. (laughs) And I was like, you can tell me that's fine. But I think she got it. And it's like, when you, you don't realize as a parent, how much you're touching these materials. When you make that one switch, like one of our little, like Trojan horse things that we're hoping to introduce to families is when you start touching this alpaca, it's going to be so soft. You're going to think about other materials in your life, materials that bring you joy, materials that bring, that you want to take care of. And I hope, not that I'm trying to push like a minimalist agenda on anyone, but I hope that we as a consumeristic culture start thinking more about enjoying the things we have, investing in nicer quality materials that are gonna last not forever like plastic, but will when we take care of them, can serve mm-hmm. us and serve our our communities and our our planet a little bit better.
2: Well, I don't I like I think it happens subtly. It's like that subtle exposure where you're like, because I think about my wool experience, I think about my own wardrobe experience. and nowadays I'm only buying cotton. And then also my own neurodiversity and probably the same for people who are not neurodiverse, but just, you know, you want your body to feel comfortable. Yeah. I assume we all want our body to feel comfortable uh, and we don't want to be feeling itchy and scratchy. I know. So talking with Lori, it starts with a L. Uh, Lori, she was a little bit worried though about opaca because
1: that sense, she wasn't sure. Are We're you... saying it's soft. Super soft. It's super cashmere, soft cashmere, more durable. Soft as cashmere, more durable. It's like the softest soft. So
2: some alpaca... And then people who have wool allergies, it's to lanolin,
1: correct? Like it's the protein in lanolin. Two things. So if you've got a wool allergy... It could be lanolin, which is most common. And lanolin exposures over time, like increase that sensitivity, right? So lanolin's is not just in wool and on your diaper covers. It's in a lot of makeup products. It's in skincare products. So that, that exposure over time, you could have... A sensitivity develop. The other thing about wool is those scales. So Merino's really soft. Those scales on the microscopic level are much smaller and like it's a finer, um, softer because of that. So that itch factor can be a sensitivity for a lot of people. If you get some coarse wool, I don't care how much lanolin you put on it to coat that fiber. It's still going to be itchy because you got those scales.
2: Or it going be sticky. And, <laughs> sticky <laughs> and that's
1: not really nice either. Whereas the if you look under a microscope, and I have a picture, I think, on Instagram somewhere of, the, of the, the comparison, it's so much smoother. You don't get that. You don't have the lanolin, but you also don't have that itch factor because you just don't have the scales. I
2: am. And that's, that really helps with like the texture. You did say once though, that maybe there's like a smell factor. My husband brought that up with a coworker who had an alpaca pillow for some reason. He said it got wet anyways. So that could be a deterrent for families. Maybe we I should give a so. warning. Yeah, I think that so it, one bit.
1: one family who she said the washing of it smelled like, like a wet animal because it is, it's, you know, animal hair and it's going to smell like a wet animal when it's wet. That said it shouldn't, I, I, asked her a couple more questions. I said, it shouldn't be getting wet when you're using it. So it shouldn't be smelling like anything when it's not wet. Right. It's like, okay. So, So like, and the advice also I gave to her was um, we recommend a fragrance free wash. We use, um, you know, unscented wash because we feel that's you can really smell if it's dirty and things like that. But for her, I said, you may want to switch to a scented wash if that will make the washing experience more sustainable for you. Um, And so she did that. I think that helped her. And I think like listening to
2: your sister talk to the business group the other day, talk about the washing and you, both of you do it, uh, taking care of alpaca reminded me a lot of taking care of hair. Like it was just a gentle, smooth process. You don't want to do it a whole lot and your conditioning, and you've got
1: all of that super simple instructions on your website, right? Yeah. So we recommend, there's a couple of ways you can wash it. I mean, there's a lot of options out there, but it's like hair. So you want to clean it. You want to condition it. We use soap and we recommend soap and we sell it on our website. Soak is really, really easy. It's a, um, a rinse free wash. So what that, what we found is that if you just soak it in a in soak detergent and water for like 15 minutes, and then rin- we do recommend rinsing it off just because it's a baby skin and you just don't. I don't like to mess with extra you know, things on there if I don't have to. So I, I rinse it off and then I dry it with like a flat because this is super absorbent. So it'll just suck a lot of that extra water out, hang both out to dry and it dries faster than wool. It's like really, really easy. Um, we, think, we find with the soak, you don't actually have to condition it. It's like a two-in-one shampoo conditioner. Okay. But if you're gonna use something like unicorn um, fiber wash, we would want to pair that with the, um, the, the unicorn beyond soft softer is great. I love, I love that company, um, but it's kind of like a two-step process. Um, or if you're using something like baby shampoo, it's also a very gentle cleanser or like Dr. Bronner's, you can definitely use those, but you're gonna want to condition that fiber at some point to like lock in that softness. And so you can use, yeah, like a conditioner or like a beyond softener okay
2: so it was really i mean we've been chatting for a long time and you have even more knowledge and information but we need to wrap this up (laughs) so where can people go though to learn more about your brand learn more about everything going on i know Teresa can talk for days and that's why you've got this great website you've got a tiktok you've got an instagram you're everywhere where can we go
1: Lunapaca.com is where you can okay. learn, shop, uh, refer friends. And of course, for more you know daily information, your daily dose, uh, Lunapaca.baby <laughs> for um, all the social stuff. Thank
0: you for joining me on today's episode of the Cloth Diaper Podcast. The show notes for this episode can be found at dash show 15 forward slash dash or 15 clouddiaperpodcast.com and you can sign up for our newsletter you can access all the great resources and for more diapers of course get lunapaca at lunapaca.com or if you're canadian grab it at nestinsprout.ca i can't wait to see you online